If you're watching this, um, you survived Thanksgiving. And Macon looks a lot different today. Hey, guys. Welcome to Greenlight. It is now Saturday morning, uh, which which means you've survived Thanksgiving, as we said. Uh, full disclosure, we record this midweek because people have shit to do. Yeah. Thanksgiving. I mean, yeah, a lot of family like, stuff. Family you know. stuff, et cetera. Like, I'm dedicated to the pod game. I'm not that dedicated. I don't think my wife was going to sign up for I, me coming to the office on Thanksgiving. I hate the traffic. You, you would think with a lot of the kids leaving... We do live in a college town. You thought the exodus would have, but but it's been rough. Nate Collins, who is a friend of the program, uh, has come back to join me today. We also have a special guest uh, in the back room that we have secured yeah. in a giant cage, and yeah. we'll let him out of the cage in the second half of this pod. That is my brother Kyle Long, pro bowler, legend, my little big brother Kyle old, Long, old who also mate. was a teammate of Nate's as well. Yeah. So we've got a full show today. Uh, you know, and again, for background's sake, we're actually recording this on Wednesday. We want to take the rest of the week off. By the time you hear it, it is Thanksgiving morning. I'll either be hungover and really happy or hungover and it'll be the end of my world because tech. No, 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 no. We're, we're, we're going to speak positive about it and the streak ends. I don't even want to say what the streak is. The streak is 15 straight times Virginia Tech has beaten our Virginia Cavaliers. And, of course, full disclosure, uh, the background here is that Nate Collins, um, who grew up in upstate Connecticut. Westchester, New York. Is that a tough place? Westchester, New York. By the way, I did the... the, (laughs) Don't be disrespectful. Well, I I had Nate on his... uh, What up, PC? 105.73. Exactly. Whatever that means. Uh, I had had Nate on the visit. Uh, You know, this is now how many years ago? Oh. Oh five. Oh five. What do we do on the visit? Drank forties and watched the Super Bowl. Was that Super Bowl Sunday? Was that that weekend when the Steelers were no. playing the Seahawks? Maybe we played Madden. <clears throat> I was pretty good. Remember because I used to be the Eagles. Yes, and you know who else was there? Shout out to him. I don't know where he's at right now. Asa Chapman. Asa Chapman. <laughs> I'll never forget. <laughs> he was he was a t- terrific player from Orange County, Virginia, not Orange County, California. Much different place. Uh, we had a nice visit. I introduced you to, uh, you know, malt liquor. I'm not going to out you and say you had any in high school, but we had a lot of hurricanes. And, and that visit. You want to you hear the real story about that? What? I, I, I dipped for the first time on that, on that trip. I got you a pack of dip. Yep. Um, more peer pressure because Asa did it. And it, well, Asa, everyone, Asa was a country dude. And to me, you just recruit. We're all recruits. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And everyone's impressed. Oh, look at him. He had threw a fat lip in. Everyone's playing. <laughs> yeah, just throw a lip in. So this is after chugging half a 40, put a lip in. Everything's cool. Everyone's playing Madden. And I remember just looking up, and the entire room starts spinning. <laughs> and I immediately asked where the bathroom was, and I locked myself in the bathroom for the next probably 15 to 20 minutes. That's not that long. While I threw up, I was scared. I was about to shit on myself. <laughs> you know, was... this is a family podcast here. It's a family podcast. 
But you survived the trip and you loved it so much that you you committed to Virginia. Can you believe that? And and we had we had we had uh, a lot of good memories together at Virginia. None of them included beating Tech. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's your worst loss to Tech? It has to be the last one against Tyrod because I just feel like it just. Excuse me. He's getting choked. It just up. felt it felt so close, like that we were gonna beat them. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That we were gonna beat them. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's it's just a weird. It's a it's a it's a weird thing. To it's think a about. mental thing. It was never mental for you or I, but I feel like the last fifteen years there has been yeah. this growing mental edge because we always we've had so many opportunities in games where you're like you're used to things going wrong. You could go to the game where uh, in 08, uh, my rookie year, I watched uh, Vic Hall. We were down to our emergency quarterback. We we damn near beat him in Blacksburg. Should have. Um, you know there were games like last year that we lose thirty four thirty one in overtime. Senior year, my senior year, we uh, we lost thirty three twenty one to them and had an opportunity to to secure ten wins and go to the AC Championship, which is historic for us. Now, we've got the same type of opportunity this year, this Friday. Do you have a score prediction before? By the way, first things first, my man Nate here is the flag guy. How do you get that job, bro? Ooh. You're right. What are you doing Saturday, bro? I am the flag bearer, um, and I think I'm just running out with the guys. Oh, it's Friday. What are you doing Friday? Friday, Friday. Oh, yeah. So I, I believe, um, no, this is the day after. So Yeah, yesterday. so what did you do yesterday for the people listening? I did an awesome job running out of the tub, leading the team. Um, hopefully not too close to Cabman because the horse kind of scares me. Cabman has fall, fallen before, <laughs> and I know Cabman personally. He used to run horses on my farm. He fell, and he almost impaled himself with that, with that hopefully fake saber. Um, oh my God. But I, I was wondering, that's not the flag um, for people watching on YouTube. He's got one of these car decal flags. <laughs> That you see Washington football. Uh, the I'm getting ready. Like you know, like if you're the running Washington, back. who's the Washington football team? Um, the, I don't. I don't say the name. Oh, so you want me to say it? Well, no. I just maybe you don't have a thing about it. The skins. Yeah, the skins. Skins fans and Cowboys fans have more. I, this is a. This is a study. I haven't studied it, but this is my own observation: is that skins fans and Cowboys fans have more. Uh, window decal flags Ooh, than, than any franchises Ooh. in pro sports. A hundred percent up north. And what cars do you usually see? Suburbans. Caprice Classic. <laughs> is it not? Is it not one of? The... <laughs> see, Caprice. That I guess that is true. Definitely Cowboys. Definitely Cowboys. Cowboys. Like every car with a cowboy uh, flag on the window that you have to roll up <laughs> is to me is a white Caprice Classic. Didn't you used to have a Caprice? No, I had a 1983 Mercury Grand Marquis with okay. suicide doors. Okay. Darrell, uh, Darrell Scott, you remember him? Clemson yeah. D tackle, came to St. Louis. So the, eventually sold that car to a dare officer. <laughs> but we were, go, we were going around. I gave Darrell a ride to practice in camp one day. And it was a bit of a budget operation with that truck. I had a lot of money, but I didn't know it. So mm -hmm. I was skimping on like, I was like, damn, I put like three grand into this into this old school here first off it's not an old school it's a fucking sedan from oh the 80s secondly the suicide doors would just open sometimes and Darrell didn't have a seatbelt on we're going around an on-ramp uh in earth city missouri and we're turning hard right and as you can imagine we're kind of leaning because this thing had a little lean to it and the suicide doors whip open no way and Darrell at 40 miles an hour is hanging on to the seatbelt <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> So yeah, I, I had I had uh, I didn't have a Caprice. I had I had a um, 
a grand marquee, but that was sold to a dare officer. I hope, uh, I hope it's keeping kids off drugs. I hope so too. Probably locked up a lot of people. Uh, Actually, you ever seen bait car? No, I've never seen bait car. <laughs> okay, never mind. I think I get the concept though. Um, do you have a prediction that we can get made fun of or lauded for for the listeners out there who are hearing it on Saturday? What happened in yesterday's game? What's your prediction as of right now, recording time on Wednesday? Broncos gonna run it up. We're gonna, we're not only gonna beat them, we're gonna embarrass them. Like they're gonna be upset. Like we're gonna run the score up. Our backup quarterback's going to get in. He's going to do his thing. Like, Bronco is going to get an extension. He's going to get anything he wants in Charlottesville. Listen, he beats, he beats, <laughs> he beats, uh, I, have a, I have a new house I'm supposed to move into here soon. The rumor has it. Uh, if, if, they, if they beat Tech, he can have a room in the new house. Like, he can, you, you, you he have can, to. He can come you, in anytime he wants. You, you can have the code. You have to. And like, Bryce Perkins. Three to the neck. Three to the neck. If Bryce does this, he's my favorite UVA athlete of all time. Yo, and I just supplanting want, yo, Anthony Poindexter, Snowden, <clears throat> um, number fourteen, Taylor, like yep. all these young. Yo, I just want them to eat. Like it's it's just it's it's a weird feeling just seeing like just being around town and like seeing these kids and just like really just want to transfer energy to them to be like if you only knew like how much yep. some of the alumni like we would just want you guys just to like enjoy the feeling and, and not it's for, and, it's and for not, and man. not yeah and not have the feeling that we all had like for the last 15 years anyone you speak to like biscuit is the only person i know marcus Higgins, who's a wide receiver coach at virginia because you you didn't beat them did you no i never beat him. he's the only person i like associate with that that's i can tech. talk to that's beaten tech yeah and that is scary <laughs> to think yeah. about from like the years of people you know alumni and whatnot and that's the closest that it Dude, gets 2003 to. do you know who won the nba finals that's the last time we beat tech i'll tell you it was oh, the spurs I, yeah they beat the fucking nets i, I used to like jay kidd you like jason kidd so when you watch little, the nets a lot little, yeah well that's that that was cool of you <laughs> up north so my my prediction is 33 28 we we Ooh. we we score um a go-ahead touchdown in the final minutes. Uh, instead of kicking a field goal after a long drive, we punch it in to win outright, and we win 33-28. I'm thinking, I'm thinking more along the lines of 42. Like, like Man, if we score 42 points, we're winning this fucking game. 42, That's like 14. I'm like, I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking it's a big defensive day. Well, like, good. We so we're either going to be idiots or we'll be – I mean, like, we win. I don't care if the score is wrong. I don't care – yeah. I don't care how this pod. If we win, you know, hopefully you like the pod. If you don't, I'm I'm predisposed celebrating. I want to get right into football today. We're going to have obviously a special guest uh joining us in a bit. Uh I read a really interesting article this week on the Athletic and not to plug the Athletic, but this is what I'll do. Since I stopped playing, I really enjoy reading about football and they have a lot of good articles. It's faster than you can even catch up with how many articles they have. They have a number of podcasts. I'm not saying all of them are good. But this article, uh, Defining Moments of the Decade by Lindsay Jones, I think she got a lot of it. I mean, a lot of these would have been exactly what I would have said. She goes through the decade. Obviously, it's coming to close soon, um, in a month or two here, and talks about the most impactful, could be domino effect or standalone instances in the NFL. And um, as somebody who played the entire decade, essentially, I remember where I was when a lot of these happened. I mean, she, I'll run down the list. She said... The Calvin Johnson uh, catch rule. 
that's kind of how it started. We all know like now the internet meme is Des caught it, but it was Calvin Johnson first, right? Um, but it's always going to be something now. And I, I, I still don't think we know what a catch is no. eight years later, which is, which is crazy. But even if we did, I feel like, uh, I feel like it's always going to be something. It's DPI this year. Of course, rightfully so. Fans are fed up with that shit already. I am too. Like that's, that's hard. That's too hard to do because what's next? Like you're going to do that for, I don't know. Like, well, if you're going to do it, just administer it consistently and administer it the way you said you would. I mean, we have seen countless instances where you'd think even in the risky scenario that a coach throws his flag because the overturn rate is so low. Mm -hmm. uh, even in that scenario, like it's still ballsy to throw the flag at this point. And, and I think, I, I, and I think, I think it, that's the reason why they put it in there. It's for the viewers. Another thing, like, oh my god! Like, but do they think people be? are stupid? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess they do. Yeah. Here's my <laughs> thing with the officials, and we went through the replacement ref thing. You were in the league at that point, yet? Yep. So we were both in the league when that happened. You know, officiating has been under more and more scrutiny lately, and I think that the problem that you have now and it's not going away is that the the vantage point and the access that fans have and the vehicle with which we can discuss it in real time the speed with which that's advancing is well outpacing the league's catching up to it on an officiating level so i don't i don't know if I mean, there's like a solution ever i feel like they try to do the best they can where they already have someone like in the booth so when you know even something like controversial happens it's like oh we're already in new york with so-and-so where they have 60 tvs looking at it but we still <laughs> yeah no i know well, we the, pro well it's just, it the, pro the problem is now is that fans literally have a better vantage point than officials on the field 100%. and i wonder if at some point officials on the field go away I wonder if it becomes oh, more of a thing where, robots. Yeah. where, well, well, well it can, it's it's going to be just like they got mad about. It's just going to be they're going to be on the field with an earpiece and or like some type of like I watch that's just feeding them what happened. Yeah, like just no, like I mean, I think the they, baseball, the baseball when they did they had the ump out there, but they had the they did like a, a mock where they had a computer just calling the balls and strike. Right. And the ump is just there just to say it. Right. I feel like you can get there with technology and football. I think there'll always be a game manager on the field that has to, you yeah, know, signal certain the ball, things, you know, you personal to, fouls, that that sort ball. of thing. Um, but I always thought, like, I know that footballs are expensive, and this would be expensive technology. Why are we still eyeballing a goal line in a pile of people? Why isn't there a chip in the ball, you know, that tells you that you're crossing a goal line or what yard line? I know you know, because hey, shit, those, nowadays, Bluetooth will give you fucking cancer. So, like, I, I you know, like, I don't know about those same, chips. Those same people were talking about earlier when you say if you think, like, they were stupid or not. If you do that and you just tell someone, oh, it's a touchdown because we're saying it in this computer. Well, people are going to think there's a fix in there. So, I don't know what the solution is. But I kind of wonder at the end of the day if all press is good press. Yeah. What do people spend half their time talking about when you engage with the NFL on Twitter? Mm -hmm. It's complaining about the integrity of the game. Yep. Now, I don't know that that's the NFL has survived, depending on how you look at it, Kaepernick or the owners blackballing him. Mm -hmm. They've survived the replacement refs. They've survived the pass interference rule. They survived, bro. The NFL is like cockroaches, bro. Yeah. The NFL is going to be like here after they're surviving. They've survived the. They survived concussion. The concussion thing. And All of people it. can talk about. 
Youth numbers are declining. Yo, in the movie Concussion, they talk about it. Like, <clears throat> Haven't seen the movie. No interest. Okay. Don't. But <laughs> you should. But <laughs> they, they, they explain to it. They own like Sunday. They, they own the day of the week. They own week a day of with, the week. With everyone. Is, Sunday's like God's day. Yes. And they share. They took God's day. They share God's day. Mm-hmm. Like with everyone, no, and, every, yeah. and everyone, and everyone's okay with it because it's like you go to church and then you watch football. So is the NFL going to hell in the afterlife? I, Stealing I, God's day I, is not a light <laughs> accusation. Let's move on to the CBA in 2011. And you came to the league in 12. Um, 2010. 2010. Okay, yeah. golly, you're old. Uh, <laughs> so you barely saw an old camp. You saw one old camp. I saw one old camp. So this was all why the, the CBA was such York. a big deal to everybody here was. In 2011, the new CBA, the collective bargaining agreement that um, that Lindsey Jones notes in this article, was a big deal because it changed a lot of things for the NFL. But for players, one of the first things that was immediately satisfying, although there were a lot of gripes with the new deal, was training camps going away as we know it. You used to be able to do two a days, damn near as much as you wanted, right? I think so. Because I had three years of Spags training camps. You know, two a day after two a day after two a day, and I think you had to ver- maybe vary one special teams practice in there on one of the two a days. This isn't as bad as the '80s when my dad so plays it was, four to six day- weeks of, so what of it was, two a days. I don't think you can have two pads, <clears throat> two padded in one day. So you had an uppers, yes, which makes no difference. So, so <laughs> not for O line to deal. What we're talking about not. here is that they litigated back in the day <laughs> that you had to mix your padded practices, which are. Thigh pads, knee pads, which I don't give a fuck about. I never even played in a game with those. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you get fined not to wear them. And you'd wear your shoulder pads. That's a padded practice, obviously, a helmet. Um, a helmet, uh, a shells practice, as we called it, was helmet and shoulder pads. And for a D lineman, no difference. No difference. Nothing. In practice, the only thing you can't do in shells is tackle to the ground. And most places were, were doing away with live contact drills every day. Just look at so, Michael Bennett, what he wears. Right. Michael Bennett barely wears anything. <laughs> But so the coolest thing it did for us was all of a sudden you had one football practice a day and you had to have a break like every fourth day. Training camp was cake and it still was. Even late in my career at 33, 34, I was like, if I was 33, 34, like a lot of these vets that I came in a locker room with and I was doing these two days on the road in a dorm room, I wouldn't even be playing anymore. So hats off to the guys who didn't see the new CBA. Mm -hmm. Football got a lot easier. Now, People talk about the linemen not getting as many reps, and there's people that say, oh, line play has declined, like hand fighting, that sort of thing. Like, I, I don't necessarily buy that. I think that's more of a product of college football. Mm-hmm. I think college football is the domino that has reduced the quality of line play on both sides of the ball because uh, you're not developing players the same. Everybody's doing the spreadship. A lot mm-hmm. of draft picks. Greg Robinson, I don't think, when they drafted him out of Auburn, I think he was in a two-point stance like all the time um, in St. Louis. So... Players are fresher is the flip side of the coin. I don't know how a Lamar Jackson or some of these really, the game's gotten faster, undeniably. Uh, I don't know if all these fast guys are playing as fast and as explosive, which is good for the league, under the old CBA. So no, two sides to every coin. Change the rookie pay scale. That was another thing. So a dude like me who got bro- broke off off the bat, I did. Shout out to uh, like the Rams. You were old the second CBA, to last second one. Second to last one to get that last deal. Second pick in the Sam, second. La- yep. And then Sam. He was the last one. So it's because of the Rams. And then the Rams ran me up after that for the record. They they paid me twice. And that's not a brag. I'm just telling you. The only big contract I didn't get just wasn't the rookie. Ow. Ow I got the big one the that second is, time. That's a humble brag. 
No, it's not a humble brag because a lot of people are listening to this and be like, "Oh, it must be nice to you get work, rich off the you old." You worked for it. No, but it must it must it must be nice to get rich off the old CBA when actually it was I got rich off the old CBA and then I went out and balled out. So you can't control that. You can't control that. So they changed the rookie pay scale. What happens there is it became a, a young man's league. When I came in the league, vets got more expensive. Rookies got um got less expensive in this new deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I came in the league before the new CBA. I had four guys who were 33 in my D-line room. By the time I left St. Louis my eighth year, I had the closest parking <laughs> spot to the door. So that meant I was the oldest guy mm. at 30 years old. Um, yeah, because you guys kept getting the first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because we're getting fucking the first, win. the first pick of the draft. But it's harder for older players to stay in the league now. And I, I found that yeah. out at the end of my career when so I had job opportunities and shit. You, but think like, it's, you think it's harder? For older players to stay in the league. I don't know. It depends. Because they don't want to keep you there. One, new coaches new coaches are afraid of the old NFL. They're afraid of players like vets that are a little bit ornery, vets <laughs> that are that actually have some, you know, you, you can't get rid of me. It's not like you have tenure, but you're paying me. They don't want to pay guys, and they want the young guys. You can control the young guys. You can build your team that way. And it is largely a good model in building your team is build it through the draft, you know, you got a guy like Lamar Jackson. You don't have to worry about paying him for a little bit now. Yeah, no. You can continue to build three, around him. Three more years. Speaking of quarterbacks, Tebow Mania was on the list. Uh, Tebow Mania for me was, it was interesting because the whole time you're like, this experiment is totally fucked up. This guy's not a quarterback. We're watching it. I'm pulling for him because this I love chaos, and this was chaos. This That was chaos. It's still one of my biggest things. I, I tell people I don't understand like how organizations, coaches, people like, how they don't take a chance like on him. He's right. a winner. Like yeah. I don't care what anyone says, he's a winner. There's so many organizations with quarterbacks who haven't made it to a playoff game, let alone won a playoff game. I don't care how he did it. He ran the whole time. It doesn't he matter. He shot put it a ball how- to Demarius <laughs> Thomas and then 80 he, yards. Listen, where one of those things that in sports and this should not be in there uh weighted for actual importance, but you know how there's some games you remember where you were? I was in New Orleans with AJ Feely and Tom Sandy. We were at the Sugar Bowl on a guy's trip, having a great time. And of course, this is a level of hanging out I can't do anymore from mm-hmm. a, you know, liver and oh, my, yeah, definitely can. all that stuff. But I'm waking up from one of those naps where you wake up and it's nighttime and I turn the TV on. I'm trying to get back on the horse. Like I got a hangover slash we've been day drinking slash, you know, that whole deal. I turn on the TV. First play I see, swear to you, Demarius Thomas for the touchdown Damn. against, I think it was the Steelers, right? It I'm not sure. It yeah, was Broncos so. Steelers. Yeah. So as as you as you look at all that, you're like, what the fuck just happened? And it's relevant now because he he prefigures Cap as a nationally divisive figure because as people talk about Cap, they're always calling back to Tebow. And um, yeah, it's and- true. I mean, if Tebow continue to get jobs after that, Cap should have a job now. We all agree on that. But another thing that that people have used it for is when everybody questioned Lamar playing quarterback, who is clearly Although you you had some legitimate questions about how he might transition to the pros, you have it with every quarterback. Yeah, but people were making it a thing like they justified working him in, out as a wide receiver because they did it to Tebow. That's a disingenuous argument, is all I'm saying. No, I think I think at the end of the day, it's all media. They did that because they knew, hey, if we do it, someone's going to be mad. Like best case scenario. He goes out there and he's just a guy that's like, you know what? I'll do your stupid workout. And he does amazing. And everyone's like, yo, he can be a wide receiver. Right. Like, or worst case scenario, 
is what this like everyone's like yo you, you guys are idiots you this is why should, they pay you the big receiver. bucks though the conspiracy theory stuff i mean that's that's how i see it there like, were enough people and now i do think there's there's a misconception with lamar is that in a room full of 100 people if 15 people say he needs to try out a wide receiver we're gonna lamar fans myself included are going to continue to go at these detractors even years down the down the line. The biggest being, um, but I, I I can say this. I I feel like the biggest factor in all this is that he landed in a system where the coaches and everyone around him said like we're going to build off of him, and they did. And that's and that's the biggest thing because I can see him being in a different system, and then everyone being like, hey, maybe he shouldn't be. Dude. I agree, and that's what people don't understand. I talked about with Carson this week. We did a long thing on quarterbacks last year. I'm not going to rehash the entire thing, but scheme and 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 context and situation matters. And this isn't to take anything away with Lamar. And this is how quarterbacks are now like politics. It's divisive. Lamar is a stud. We've never seen anything like it in the NFL. But you can't deny that he's better off with Greg Roman than he would be without him. Greg Roman has pulled the best out of four different quarterbacks now. Of course, Lamar, he didn't have a large sample size before for people to be like, hey, you know, there was some regression before Roman came to the rescue like he did with Alex. Uh, Shoot, Cap never took a snap before Greg Roman, and he brought the best out in Tyrod Taylor. Greg Roman is a wizard. Uh, Lamar is an alien, so it's totally unfair, and I don't think anybody catches up by Super Bowl Sunday. By the way, I think they win it all. I mean, it's not a hot take at this point. It's not a hot take, but... Excuse me. Like I thought earlier, I had said to you, um, I think Billy let them get that game um, a few weeks back. I don't believe that. That's just me. You're going to need... Okay, so... That's just me. Here's the point. That's just me. If Bill Belichick, the conspiracy theory, Nate, if Bill Belichick thought enough of the Ravens to throw that game because he knew he'd see them again, they're worried about it, then you would also know that you're going to be in the running for home field advantage and you beating... The Ravens is totally dependent upon being at home in Foxborough. I'm just saying they don't they don't care about being home. Fox, Baltimore and Foxborough same same weather. Oh, is it? Basically, basically, bro. I'm just telling you, bro. I was up there for a year. I, I know Did my sister forget? lives out there. Oh, like, well, see, you, I was gonna like, say I had to practice and play on that, and also no, I sure. know the way they think. They think that weather is their. Is, it's more schemes though with Belichick. Belichick's gonna. It, it's about having his guys in the right spot. Yeah. Belichick's not gonna. He's not gonna lose without putting his his players in the right spot. Well, and, and, and that's the hardest thing to do with Lamar because he's just that extra guy that you never. There's always an extra guy in the run game with him. And then another thing is, and this is why I think that the problems New England have against Lamar are issues that are fundamental. Yep. The thing that they create so many problems for other teams up front with is the size and range of their backers. But if you pick backers who are 250, 260, and these guys are big fucking guys, you can't do the run lateral thing with Lamar. You can, but but not the entire game. You can't. So here's what happens. I'm telling you, they they move them sideways. Guys get tentative. It's like it happens with anybody anybody else, but it's an especially bad matchup with the Patriots relative to who, who, who other teams they play. They get guys, these big backers moving sideways, and then you take away their biggest strength, which is their ability to come downhill with no conscience. And it's not like New England is is great uh, as far as pass rush is concerned. I know they have the sack numbers, but those are manufactured. Yeah. So one thing you can do with them is you man up, right, and you bring pressure. What's the one thing you don't want to do? Man up against Lamar Jackson. Turn your back. 
when we were rushers and you play somebody athletic, they always told you, what'd they tell you? When we're in man, fucking pay attention to, to pay attention to your rush lanes. Yep. So because if he gets out, it's like, and it's I mean, six. you're going to have to like, and that's what I think Belichick is good at with the defense. He's going to have to do like the muddle rush and it's going to be guys not really looking for sacks. Yeah. It's like, hey, we're going to make them seem like we're coming after him and we're just going to have him. And you say, hey, if they're going to beat us, it's going to be because our cornerbacks or their wide receivers are making amazing catches yep. every single play. And if we lose that way, then it is what it is. And listen, Lamar threw five touchdowns the other night. I think a lot of people have a misconception that, you know, he, I mean. <laughs> he's, bro, he's amazing, And, and listen, bro. the thing about the other night was six touchdowns on six uh, <laughs> first possessions. That's the first time since, it's hap- since it happened to the Saints in 08. And it felt like 10, 12 possessions because they were all just like seven yards, eight yards, 12 yards. There was no 60-yard play that I remember. Do you remember in your box when we thought that we were going to be him at UVA in that last drive? Oh, the, yeah. The, like oh, we were yeah. about to jump to we, rush the field. Yeah. And it, we were like, it was that close. And I watched him do that last 90-something drive, 80 yards. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, this kid is going to be amazing. Yeah, whatever he does. At whatever, yeah, because whatever that's, that's the funny in, thing. That's, somebody's that's gonna funny, build around I think, him. Here's the funny thing: I think he probably is top five receivers just, if he's a receiver. Just because he <laughs> can just, doesn't mean he has to. No, that's, that's the biggest and, thing. And that's the funny thing too. Like I can't wait until the offensive coordinators when they do put RG three in there and they do that triple triple option, yeah. and then they do something where they throw him a pass yeah. when he's gonna burn a top receiver, yeah. and it's just gonna be like, hey, everyone, that's gonna be a very yeah, very viral moment. <laughs> I can do this also. Lindsay also talked about Peyton, and of course, we're talking about for those of you listening, the biggest moments of the decade. This is an athletic article by Lindsay Jones. Terrific piece. Agree with most of it, but we just wanted to continue to riff on some of the things she brought up, and we'll add our own at the end. Peyton free agency in 2012, $96 million uh, he makes on the market with Denver, uh, and this is right after he got cut in Indianapolis, of course. He's got two Super Bowl appearances um, after he ends up in Denver, obviously getting shellacked against uh, oh, my in, division rivals. In of, New York. Yeah, in New York. Bad. Pop, shout out! Shout out to Pot Rose. Shout out to Pot Rose, oh, Terrence Knight, who's a great coach now, former great coach. teammate of yeah. both of us. Um, they only had one win they, out of those two Super Bowls. Uh, they they beat the Panthers, as everybody remembers, in 2015. He visited the Cards, the Niners, and the Titans. I don't know if this lines up. I'd have to go back and look, but I believe this is right before the Super Bowl run that was half Alex Smith, half Cap. Um, of course, yeah. So I wonder. Butterfly effect wise, because I'm into that. If he ends up in San Francisco, what does today look like? Because maybe cap never happens. It's kind of crazy to think about. Also, you know, think you know, about. I played in. I played in that game. Caps coming out party. Bears, really? Bears versus San Francisco. Are you sure you played Sunday, him in the coming out party? Because I got. I'll, the Sunday, I'll do you one better. The Sunday night game. Alex Smith had just got. He had got the um, concussion. Who did he get a concussion against? I forget. The Rams. Oh, the Rams. I was right there. Oh, yeah. So they played us and then you the next week. And then they played they played him and that's when that's when Alex Smith and the Smith they had five sacks. Yeah, against Smith us. brothers. They beat legends. I remember. I was one of the tough cuz cuz man, he was running through uh he was running through that right tackle Karimi like like, you know, yeah. a knife through hot butter. No, the dude there was a dude um I Kyle knows his name. One of one of our old linemen got beat so bad like they took him off the depth chart they put him under the depth chart he retired he called himself retiring was it Alden the next or day. Justin 
they both had like a combined Sorry, seven sacks. No, it was it was one of the most. It was Justin. It was Justin. It was one of the most amazing, and Justin probably made a lot of people quit. Kudos <laughs> to that guy for actually fucking quitting and not quitting internally. No, 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 no. But he tried to come and sit in the meeting room in the locker room like a day later, like after they. Already I decided that like, I'm not like, going to retire or just to hang out. Like yeah, like I'm not really retired. Like he came back in. When I re- when I retired when I retired my dad explained to me that once you cross the Rubicon you can't come back and no, and that's like, not necessarily true but it's certainly true for that guy if he doesn't leave Indy though and of course we're talking about Peyton uh, getting cut by Indy he had a neck injury and and there was uh, a money issue there's good reason to get rid of him but if he doesn't leave I don't think he I think if he stays in Indy I don't think he wins the Super Bowl that Denver team was perfect for him to orchestrate that year with the defense they had, him being more of a game manager. I guess you wonder if Brady has one more if he stays in Indy because uh, Brady lost to Denver, I think, twice in that span that he was in Denver. Um, and, of course, oh, there's yeah. the cap effect that if maybe he ends up in San Francisco, maybe cap doesn't happen. But most importantly, here's the deal. Uh, Andrew Luck retired earlier this year in August. I don't think Andrew Luck... Uh, career is ever derailed by injuries if Grigson doesn't wreck it. So if he stays in Indy, they don't go 2-14. and 14, They don't have a shot or a need to draft uh, Andrew Luck in 2013. That was, of course, the RG3 draft. I think what happens is that... Well, I think what happens is that Grigson never gets an opportunity to just murder this guy's career with bad protection and personnel around him and no plan. And I think... Uh, imagine Andrew Luck in Washington with a, le- a left tackle like uh, yep. Trent. Why would you do that to Washington fans? With a running back like <laughs> Alfred Morris and a coach like Shanahan, who of course infamously didn't take great care of RG3, but you wouldn't have had uh, Andrew running the option in, maybe, in Washington. Or maybe it'd be the same thing. Or maybe it'd be the same thing, but I doubt it. I think Indy uh, was deservedly getting a lot of flack for the better part of a decade for not building enough. You talk about building around Lamar. They didn't even try to build around um, uh, um, Andrew and Indy. So 2012, we got the Bounty Gate punishments. Another thing I know a lot about because Greg there. Williams is my guy. Did you did you win any money for bounties? No, I never I never did a bounty, and we never had any bounties. But we had the one year suspension for I think Loomis, Peyton, Greg Williams, Joe Vitt, Vilma, which is overturned. Uh, Greg came to St. Louis at the time with the Jeff Fisher hire, and uh, and had to miss his first year. Blake Williams took over for him. And we actually played pretty well on defense. That was a damn good defense we had there. Yeah, yeah I was getting extra money for hits. What yeah, you whatever, mean, motherfucker. <laughs> like, what I didn't need mean? any extra money back then. <laughs> Maybe These not. are my double-digit you, years. You were the only one. Yeah, no. Nah, we had Quinn. We had William Hayes. We had Brockers. We had uh, eventually Aaron Donald. Doesn't matter. That's for that's Nick that, Fairley. Look, look. Let's keep it real. Bounty Gate is for special teams. If you want to get special teams guys riled up for some extra that's bread. That's a great point. Like, Maybe yo. that's why I never heard it. But to, but to Greg's credit, I thought a lot of that stuff was, listen, Greg's whole thing was live on the edge, play on the edge, never hurt the team. Does that sound like a guy who wants to get the team caught up in the Bounty no. Gate thing? I can see you It extra. changes the way that we've talked about football, though. The way it was acceptable to talk about, I'm going to knock that motherfucker out. Cut the head off the snake, the body will die. You can't say things like that anymore because of Bounty Gate. Right or wrong. Um, another thing was uh, New Orleans had more bad luck over this decade than any team in the NFL, right? I, I, I think I can agree with that. I'm I mean, still, you, you, I still can't believe like uh, how they, the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean the, 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 the NFC championship. championship. And what happened to them a year before? Minnesota Miracle. 
That I mean that that's not that's bad tackling. That's not yeah, but that's it's, not it's, bad luck. It's also I, I just know. like you've just yeah. for everybody the, the guy that ducked his head yeah. and thought he was breaking up. I mean that was in and of itself yeah. a whole different thing. But <laughs> I think what happened with Bounty Gate is actually in the end it accelerated Sean Payton taking ownership of institutional control in New Orleans. You had the prescription drug thing. You had Bounty Gate. You also had um, bad coordinators for a little bit. You had uh, Rob Ryan who who struggled down there. You had Spags who really struggled down there. It seems like now in 2019, if you look back back then, bad defenses, bad institutional control, you'd never imagine that at this point they're one of the most balanced, disciplined teams in football with a good defense. So Sean Payton, not just a great play caller, he's grown into being uh, at least one of the best coaches in the league. Um, Hernandez murder, 2013. That that that's taken a dark turn there. Uh, I talk about this with everyone that like it's a scary thing like that. People for people who don't know about being in the locker room and being next to someone, I always say like I wonder who was sitting to the left and right. You of don't him, know the left and the right of him because from when the timeline of some of these murders happened, it's like this happened and like in a day or two later. He's back to normal in the locker room. Doing normal things. Like doing normal things. Like hanging out with, you know, um, <laughs> like hanging out with coaches' kids and like doing normal smiling, things. Smiling, Whatever it is. You have teammates, sons, kids, like locker rooms. Hey, this, like. Just forget it. You and me. Like, bro, like there's a difference between being a tough guy that plays in the NFL and not being moved by murder and violence. And that this is something that. You know, for me, I think, I think people talk about that sort of things. We see it in movies. We see, we hear it in music. But to think you you're sitting at work with somebody who's taken a couple lives, um, and somebody that you're in the huddle with, you don't know who you're. But I think mentally, for me, it, it's just like a, a crazier thing that, depending on his demeanor and like how he is, like nothing to give off, like. Hey, there's something up. There's something up with this guy. <laughs> so there were two, so there were two things from what I heard. There people that knew him from Florida were not surprised. Oh yeah, because no, there the was story. an entire history that has <laughs> of course come out here. And then there were people on the team that were oblivious because he did. It was like this, you know, people that there's a lot of people that. But it's just like work. I, it, I try to like make people get it like easier to understand it. It's just that like if you, you know everybody a, at work, if you work in an office building, you might know someone your your best office friend. You might know them there. But it's something where when you go home or they go home, you don't really, you don't, depending on how close you are, you don't really know what And guess like, what? what? Like in an NFL doing. locker room, there's a huge range of people with family backgrounds, people with kids, people without kids. You're working like 12 hours a day. So the last thing you want to do, it's not like college where we used to go back to, you know, the Fred or the Meat Mansion and, and, and hang out and drink 40s. Like, I got a wife, I got kids. I'm not going to be hanging out with the young single guys and vice versa. It just goes to show you. I think people are shocked. They're like, how do you not know that about somebody? You just don't. Think about don't. the dirty secrets people keep. You think they're going to be broadcasting the fact that they have a couple bodies? Like, no. Um, so another thing that bothered me about that was the whole, and I know we have, we've talked about this before, mm -hmm. but, you know, terrible situation. And the first thing that's terrible for is the victims' families. So, I mean, to even sit here and, and muse about Aaron Hernandez, it's it's borderline to me if I even want to talk about him. But... There is the issue of him being incarcerated, mm -hmm. ending his life, and the CTE thing, which he had more tau protein than anybody or the, the most CTE out of anybody in 
that they'd ever that they've seen so that they ever encountered. Yeah, so far. Guess who else probably has some tau protein in in their head? Me, you, definitely. My dad definitely. played thirteen years old CBA. Countless people, I believe, are walking around with CTE, mm-hmm. and it doesn't manifest. So don't blame every time somebody has like erratic behavior, or God forbid, there's domestic violence or murder. Or a guy goes blo- broke after football. This is a cross section of society. Just because you're good at football doesn't mean there's zero chance you could be a bad person. Or, you know, just because you're good at football doesn't mean that you don't suffer from some sort of mental health condition that has nothing to do with football. You could have these factors that exist, but personality doesn't necessarily, actions don't necessarily manifest because of the fact that you ran into people for a living. God willing, we're both going to be normal for a long time. We agree CTE is bad. It's prevalent. Football's not good for you. But what we can't start doing is, you know, because you cut Aaron Hernandez open and he had more CTE than anybody. I definitely don't think that's the reason why, like, they're pushing and saying that. I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like I definitely think that the for the longer that it's going to be that we, it's this. We'll be the last generation not to know what we're getting ourselves it, into. And that's, and that's the biggest thing. Like, until we know more about it and I'm, like, just with the conspiracies, I don't believe that the only time you can tell or we can figure this out is when we die. Right. I just feel like that's very convenient. I think it's probably possible, but I, I do believe that. Why would the NFL not want this to go away? Or do you worry that? The, no, I'm saying, I don't think there's a way for it to go away. And I think the well, fact you think it would be no, heightened if you can actually test it in real time and people will realize that. Bro, like who wouldn't want to? Like who wouldn't? Who in the right mind? If you're making money and you know this is an I issue, I don't know if I'd want to know that I have CT once I'm done. Would. I wouldn't because I, what's going to change now unless there's a unless there's a way that you can reverse and I do believe within the next generation we're going to have that way because if you do start having complications like there'll be there'll be more stuff set there's up there's more lawsuits and litigation but yeah. but to me I mean like I don't believe that the NFL holds the cards in 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 I mean there's an entire medical community that has no stake in the NFL that mm-hmm. wants to cure this. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the NFL can stop the scientific community from from curing this. No. I think the scientific community would love to get this cured and addressed. My whole thing is in a sound bite. Because if you're listening to this and you weren't listening 30 seconds ago, CT is bad. Mm-hmm. It exists. Tau protein is probably building in my brain. It's probably built up. Mm-hmm. Uh I hit people with the crown of my helmet for a long time. You know, there's DBs who Tau took, Protein Tuesdays. Tau Protein Tuesdays. AKA Two Spot Tuesdays. All the, yeah, we used to run into each other. That was a drill. Just run into each other. Listen, this stuff is bad for you. The NFL con- needs to continue to try to make the game safer. But what I don't like is when all of a sudden these Twitter doctors start, you know, assigning um, diagnoses to guys that are falling on hard times or have an underlying mental health condition that would happen if they were a truck driver or a janitor like schizophrenia doesn't present itself until you're 30 you know or in that range like so a guy has schizophrenia and starts acting batshit crazy it's almost like now we've got to start acting everybody who acts crazy asking everybody who acts crazy in society hey did you play in the nfl by chance because hey, you, you must have CTE, right? Because well, that's that's how they're that's how they're assigning behavioral outcomes within football. You might hear this rant, and you might say, "Well, Chris definitely has CTE." The way he's talking about this, because it is so obvious to me that anytime anybody does something bad that played in the NFL, it has to be the head trauma. Do you know what the murder it, rate? Do you know what the be. murder rate is in is in America? It's high. It's really fucking high. I think a lot. Do of you know America what Aaron Hernandez has... did? 
Yeah. Murdered some people. Yeah. So how do you make the the leap other than like we cut them open and they're CTE? Well, guess who else you cut open? And, it's and, just and, convenient, bro. But guess who else you cut open? A hundred plus dudes, and they all had CTE. How many of them had a murder on 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 their uh, on their resume? We don't know. They might have got away. So that's my point. It's just like <laughs> let's just realize that we don't quite get it. On to no, the next. No, topic. yeah, we definitely don't get it. We, we still like we don't get it yet. We know it's bad. We don't get it yet. Um, next topic that Lindsay wrote about that I wanted to riff on was, uh, oh, concussion settlement, 2013, 765 million paid out to 4,500 players, uh, but not a win for the players. It was the league, you know, for, for a league that takes home annual revenue in the billions, it's not an admission of guilt. And, uh, it was a remarkable. Are they still nonprofit? Uh, fuck, I think so. I don't know. I think so. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, remarkable, remarkable limiting of liability for sure. Uh, and in 2016, they uh, they apologize. Well, they didn't apologize. They acknowledged that there is a link between TBI, traumatic brain injury, and football. You think? Um, I think we have. To my point earlier, I think that I think that's the biggest thing. I think the fact that like it's more just like we're talking. You were talking earlier. Do you think? Do they think that we're dumb? talking like i guess that's the problem that's the problem for like being a being a player being a past player it's just like guys like listen like everything's not caused by ct but at the same token knowing what's going on how some of us get hit and how some of these guys are getting their bell rung yeah. and and they're not okay like yeah. in the moment for yeah. a few weeks like cut it out and like let's do more to to push to to make it seem like you guys are actually trying to figure it out, but at the same thing, I under I empathize and understand from a business standpoint. It's like, hey, what if we dig deeper and we do know? Because I feel like at, at one yeah, point there was like there was a scare where I guess the majority, a lot of soccer moms in the U.S. were like, hey, we're not letting our kids play football. Oh, well, young. Youth, youth youth football is on the decline, and and I, it should be. I'm not gonna let my son play football until high and school. And I think that's the scary part. But is here's that, another, he's hearing that. I have no issue with the gripe with the NFL. The NFL is not to be trusted, especially on this one, but I have a gripe with people just thinking they understand something 100% and they don't quite. And let's just stop acting like we, we can just from our cell phones diagnose something that's going on because of a behavioral thing that could possibly be TBI and how it's manifested and a guy acting could erratically. Be PTSD. Or it could be PTSD. Could be it could be a, 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 number, a number, a number, a number. The number same irresponsible people who are mad at the NFL because they're corrupt. Guess what? We know the NFL is corrupt. And these same people are all about banging the drum about mental health awareness in America and, you know, redefining masculinity and being more open about what's going on with ourselves mentally mm -hmm. are the ones banging the drum for that guy has CT. I saw he, uh, he robbed a gas station. He's got to have CT like nobody else has ever robbed a gas station before, or, you know, there's no domestic violence outside the NFL. Right. I mean, there's, we'll get to all that in a bit, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, like like the way we treat women in the United States is not a problem. It only exists in in in, in football, and uh, it's got to be because these guys get run into and they're just uh, they're just violent by nature. But we've overcorrected, and that's my problem. So um, listen, I when I when I was in my the middle of my career and this whole thing started coming out, the lawsuit, etc. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm somebody who has anxiety, anyways. Like on a serious note. So shout out to Brandon Brooks. I think you know he's got it more serious. He had to miss a game because of it this Sunday, mm -hmm. but I have just baseline some anxiety i have uh you know and it manifests in different ways and when i was in the middle of my career and that cte shit started coming out i was more anxious because i started to wonder if i had cte 
And no, what you got is anxiety, bud. Like, it, like. But who's to say that it's not as bad or it's not the same thing? Well, That's, then why it, has it improved since I started to make changes in my life that had nothing to do with football? And and maybe it's the fact that like once you realize, but I think that's the hardest thing for anyone. Like, is just to realize, hey, like maybe it's not this. Like, maybe I'm. But in that's my the own problem head. we got to be careful with. Is it can be a self fulfilling prophecy for guys that we totally discount the existential crisis that guys but have when they leave say, the game. But what Listen, I can say that other people can't say. I, I know for us, we have good family and friends like circle around us yeah. where some guys a lot. have nothing and 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 that just thinking about that just thinking about not having anything or not having people around you that that thought for whatever reason yeah. i never had a reason to feel like that but i used to and that would give me anxiety yeah so the thought of knowing like hey like some guys really just going home to maybe they have a pet or maybe that's whatever, terrifying it's terrifying so that's why i say like i can empathize in a sense that you don't know what's, you don't know going, what's on going on with guys. Someone, someone, That's all I'm saying. Head. Yeah, I mean, you've sure. got guys that, and I didn't even get to this early, existential crisis of you're a god for 10 years or 11 years, or even if you played three, four years, like you are the rarest of the rare athlete in the biggest gladiator sport on the planet that's played on, on a big stage. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is an alpha male sport and you are exalted for playing it. And even if you're not an ego guy, like it's intoxicating. So when you walk away, you better walk away correct and you better walk away with a value system that includes a family or a home base. I've been very lucky, man. And you're lucky as well. Mm -hmm. um, but like you said, some guys, they're doing bad financially. They don't have a wife, a girlfriend, kids, a home, friends. Like People distance themselves from the places they came up with from naturally because you're sequestered in some new city. You're making a bunch of money. You know, your relationships are strained because you have money. It's a lot. It's a lot for normal people have no idea. And and just like we have None. no idea what it's like to live check to check or work a nine to five, they have no idea the pressure that comes with the NFL and then the, the cliff you fall off when you leave. And this fall, I've been pleasantly surprised with how much I love my life, but I think a lot of it has to do with how I left. I retired. Nobody cut me. I knew I could get another job. I'm healthy. I got Speak my money. Speak for yourself. Well, I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, but like, Guys leave and no, they're, sure. it's, was it hard after you left for a little 100%, bit? 100%. It's like, you got to think about it. Like, dude, like whenever you don't leave on your own terms, like injury, whatever it is, this is what, like for most guys, like when you're a kid or whatever, you want to make it to the pros. You want to do that. You want to do this. So it, it, I feel like it all depends on for you if you've had a, a goal or what you want to accomplish, if, yeah. if if you haven't really quite made it, I feel like that that can affect you. But at the same token, it, it's well, something I think it's where, also how much you tie your identity to it. So for some guys like me, I never tied my identity completely to football. And part of that might have helped because my dad was so fucking good. My brother's really good. I'm not going to be and like... And you cherish, you cherish it. Like it's the biggest thing for me is, of course, like I, I feel like I left like too early, my injuries, but... The time I was there, I know like when I was on the field, practice, it was whatever. Fun. It was fun. I I played I <coughs> I worked hard, <coughs> played hard. Yeah. And like I feel like I still have good memories. So I, I feel like if you're not doing that and and maybe that's something, but at the same token, if you're really not on your game for a long time in NFL, you're not gonna be on a team. I so. think I think it's really hard to leave the game. Um it's hard if you have animosity, it's hard if you're in a, in a tough situation, it's hard if you've tied your ego completely to the game. And you throw in the mental health side that mm -hmm. has to do with CT. It is a big, complicated bag of shit. You just got to realize early that it's a business. Yeah. Like, forget your childhood. Nobody likes you. Like, Nobody really likes you. Like, I try you. to tell everyone now, they're like, yo, like, playing in the NFL ruined the NFL for me. 
like it's hard to watch the same way. It's hard to like appreciate things the same way because you see stuff happen. If they even if they don't directly happen to you, like your teammates, guys, and you see how like everything is really all about the bottom line. Yeah, it's line. hard to be a fan because you it's, see you've seen what's behind the curtain. It's hard. You've seen the sausage get made, <laughs> as they say. So let's go to the next thing, and we got to rapid fire through these so we can let the uh, the T Rex out of the cage back there. You like chorizo? Uh, and Kyle, we've got Kyle Long coming up. Deflate Gate in two thousand fifteen. Uh, 45 to seven win over the Colts. The Colts, uh, you know, are complaining about the balls. Uh, Tom Brady obviously has been taking the air out of the balls. Allegedly. I believe he did, but I don't think it's a big deal. Uh, and, and here's why it's not a big I mean, deal. Because Belichick find a way to win. Well, like, I just feel like if other coaches knew or other people in their head thought like, Hey, like, yo, if we deflate these balls a little bit, like when yeah. it's colder, it's yeah. going to be easier for our guys to catch it. They, everyone does it. Well, I, I agree with that. They, other people deflate it, but. On record, I've heard of Aaron Rodgers liking to inflate his ball. So yeah. it like it's just a point of preference. I know it's better in cold weather, but you know Aaron plays in the cold. Why does he inflate it? Um, they were better in the second half with the regulation balls. They beat one of the best defenses of all time with the regulation balls. It mainly it, it was more about Spygate mm-hmm. to me. Uh, excuse me, it was more about Spygate to me. It was more about hey, this has already happened. I thought Spygate was more egregious. This wasn't much. Mm-hmm. It was more about the cover up. Than the uh, than the actual crime. I feel like it's more that like no one really knew about that rule or like that was like an issue. Like, I unless know. you're unless you're a ball like the equipment guy yeah. like that knows like all the metrics of yeah. stuff. Like how do you know that? Yeah. Like as a, and there's the Brady cell phone thing after and and the nickname thing. So I I do think the cover up was worse than the crime. Mm-hmm. Lux retirement. Now, this is an interesting one, and this coincides with the point we made earlier about Peyton Manning killed Andrew Luck's career and also gave birth to it by leaving because he made him. Uh, a viable option in Indy and Grigson and company just rode him into the ground. He retired in August at 29 years old, lacerated kidney, torn labrum, calf, ankle, all that stuff. We all know about the injuries and that's pretty run of the mill for the NFL. It's a lot for a quarterback, Uh, but the pressure, the, the treatment, you know, the every year you're, you're going out there and you're a franchise quarterback who can't control, you can't control your health. Um, and no one wants to be in a training room when everyone's practicing. It's, it's the worst it's place a bunch in the world. Of, and depending on if you have females in there or not, not saying that that matters, but just being around testosterone and dudes sometime when you're hurt, you're miserable, like, and you're doing rehab and stuff, it's just like, ugh. Yeah, you don't want to do it's, it. It's a lot. You don't want to do it. And All I right. feel like when he got hurt that last time and in their head they were like, yeah, this is going to be another three to four months. Like, I think him thinking about that is like, I'm well, I'm done. He also knew that, you know, had he gotten hurt and stayed in, all the same people that called him a coward for retiring would have been called him like Mr. Glass for playing another year and being hurt. So it makes no sense. But he he joins the ranks of like Calvin Johnson, uh, you know, Patrick Willis, who retired at 30. Chris Borland, who was a baller, played one year in San Francisco. The guy was a fucking stud. Before any of these guys, though, there was Jim Brown who left to uh, do Hollywood movies. Uh, and also there was the domestic violence stuff coming out, um, and I think he kind of skated before that stuff could bust wide open. Barry Sanders was obviously you know, the best running back of all time, in my opinion, uh, left the game early. What this is is a bigger issue of players taking back their autonomy a little bit and mm-hmm. being more in tune with the mental health stuff, with the we own our bodies thing. And yeah, I mean, we get paid a lot for sure. Uh, but this is a struggle that players have in being in, in our league more than any that we can take ownership of ourselves. This is not a player's league yet. And these guys making decisions like this, 
they're not only doing the right thing for them and their heart, but they're doing the right thing for future generations mm-hmm. because we have some leverage now. Malcolm Butler was one. Now those are all Lindsay's, um, you know, uh, biggest things of the decade. Of course, she wrote that article in the Athletics. Great article, check it out. Malcolm Butler added in. She added as an extra. Malcolm Butler, I think his pick in the Super Bowl. Uh, if that doesn't happen, New England is going from 2005 to possibly 2017, and there's no guarantee oh, you get there without a Super Bowl. But oh, for that, I thought you were talking the about the benching. Yeah, that was ugly. So that's another thing is like in New England, you can go from the most important play in the history. I think it's one of the most. Tom Brady gave him his gave him his MVP car. Here's the reason it's the most important play because 2005 was their last win. They had gone the entire decade almost. They come up with the win. If they don't, you wonder how the Pats come back from that. You know, losing three Super Bowls. Um, you know, you're entering a territory where the Bills never came back from it. Well, the Bills never came back from. It. Of course, they didn't have the Super Bowls before that fall. But even a Tom Brady and a Bill Belichick, it's hard to keep people together. When you talk to Rob Ninkovich when I was there, he said the hardest thing in the world is losing a Super Bowl. You'd rather not even be there. If they lose that one, adding to all those failures. Um, I don't know if they ever get back there. I'm just not sure. Uh, you know, Legion of Boom, that kind of gave the Russell Wilson detractors fuel. It probably accelerated the the you know the time bomb that was that locker room offensively and defensively. And you know, the LOB was going to break up eventually, but it certainly didn't help. But one thing I uh, that whole thing, Belichick didn't call a timeout. They get down there. He's like, fuck it, Seattle, you figure out what you want to run. I know what we want to run, and I know exactly what's going to happen, and so do my players. And that's pretty damn cool. And that's why I say you can't under- underestimate Belichick. You can't, but I think Lamar's different. <laughs> here, here, here's an underrated one, Fox. And my dad works at Fox, but Fox, uh, and this is, a, this is a bigger broadcasting at large thing. I mean, like, it's no secret that it's a Netflix world now. Um, no. No, you, Netflix is about to die. Well, whatever the fuck. You're on the, the trends more than I am. But, so Disney has their own platform now. Well, okay, so it's a Disney world, let's call it. Yeah. Disney Plus. Yes. I can't wait to get that shit. Bro, like... All the all, cartoons from ne- when I was a kid? Yeah, that's why Netflix is about to die. Man, I'm Marvel, on Marvel, okay. everything. So let's say Disney Plus world, it's a Netflix world. But Fox, um, they bet big on something that was unorthodox. I'll explain why. The big money right now is is still in... in ads and broadcasting but viewership is declining and one place that broadcast is doing well still is live events like the nfl so when fox bought thursday night football and they bet on these live events and they said we're going to strip down all our stuff that's not live um that was a, a winning move because they've been able to stay in the game and even with rupert murdoch's giant presence and fox's giant presence they weren't ready to keep up with you know, the Disney pluses of the world. I mean, that's a model. They just couldn't. So as you look at how we're going to be consuming football in the next, like think about all the things that happened probably in the last decade. I mean, now you can watch and Sunday tickets been around for a while. I don't know when red zone came along, but people are watching football on their, on their phones. I'm on, you know, I think it's the first streaming pregame show ever on Amazon with Kay Adams and James Coe. Like, the game is changing. Uh, humble brag. Yeah, well, the game is changing. We've dropped that nice dip set uh, ad lib there. Yeah. Um, hey. Jewels. <laughs> Shout out to him, free Jewels. Shout out to Dipset. Is he actually? Yeah, he's in jail. Jesus. Um, 
Cold weather Super Bowl. That's another one for me. NFL experimenting, sending that Super Bowl up to New York. Uh, they they did Dallas, and there was that big storm. That was a shit show. It's just because Dallas doesn't know how to handle cold weather, but evidently they get it all the time. Uh, they missed that 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 five inch snowstorm by a day when it came to that Super Bowl up at the Meadowlands. There's not going to be another one back there. Never. That was Never. so great. And that stadium's very. It's, it's sterile. It's got a sterile vibe to it. What you mean? That's a good stadium. There's no atmosphere. That's what? my thing. There's no atmosphere about, in that stadium. <laughs> it was 49 <laughs> degrees. The next day it snowed five inches. I think Peyton still would have struggled in an indoor game against that team. Uh, Washington is maybe the next. I could see if Washington down the line gets a new stadium at some point. I could see a D.C. Super Bowl being pretty cool, although good luck with the fucking roads there. No. Uh, talking about outdoor cold weather Stadiums, though, I mean, that would be up there in the list. Like, where could you see an outdoor stadium that's a colder climate getting a Super Bowl? Chicago, it's too cold. I mean, it would have to be Baltimore if Lamar keep doing what he's doing. I don't think I. I don't want to see a Super Bowl out. See, I don't want to see another. Well, I'm you telling want. you, I don't want to see a Super Bowl outside on turf. I want to see it on grass. Oh, I'd like see. to see it in Washington's new stadium, whatever that is. Green Bay would be an interesting one, but you can't support it up there. It's too cold. And uh, as Kyle joked, like, where you can stay at the Paper Valley Sheridan, like, there's nothing there. Appleton's I it. Know. But they did get something right with the drafts. Uh, Nashville was a huge one, a monster weekend for that city. 600,000 visitors drove to that place. Uh, $133 million in direct spending. They did $74 million in Dallas, $56 million in Philly, 43 in Chicago. Uh, those are, this is something, the NFL can get greedy. This is something I think they do well. Uh, the draft is going to change all the time now. I Sh- loved Radio shout City. Shout out to you. We Sh- went to yours. Yeah, you went to my draft. You were part of the group that yeah. hung a banner that said what? Um, I forget. It was something about my penis, and that wasn't <laughs> cool. You almost got kicked out of... You no. guys are on the second... It was the white guy humor. It, it wasn't yes, the black dudes it was, in the group. It was the so, white guy humor. So literally, like, I was so passed out. <laughs> I was so passed out. Oh, you missed out the draft almost? You were number two, bro. So when we heard your name... It was we sleep. I didn't even hear. B, <laughs> I didn't even hear BA's name, which was about eleven picks later. later. And I just remember just being like knocked out. It just waited. Well, the like, dudes had a damn giant sign that had some long play on words that was phallic in nature. And I think it was the white guy, Santi, and um, and just, big country. Yeah. So those guys. <laughs> Those guys acting like children. Uh, you guys also almost set a hotel on fire. Yeah, good times. We're not going to talk about that. No, we're not. Uh, and that wasn't you. Uh, it was somebody else in the group. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. My Philly draft story is uh, it was right after I started with Philly, they're going to have the draft. I think this is the weekend. And I go to Germany to get stem cell, and I'm really excited Ooh. about signing with Philly. Probably not going to draft anybody. It's you and Brandon Graham. Great. This is awesome. Man, I woke up at 3 in the morning, um, Germany time, to like my phone just off the hook, like, sorry, bro, sorry, bro, sorry, bro, sorry, bro. They drafted Derek Barnett, woke me up. I couldn't sleep. I was like, fuck this. I literally hate football. Turns out me and Derek turned out to be great friends, and it all worked out. You we all rushed of, together. You see what that. type of anxiety football gives you? Like, it does. Like the weird thing that no one really... Yeah, nobody thinks about it. Like, why would he care about that? I care about that. And, but why uh, would everyone text you sorry, too? Yeah, it's just like, why well, they, would you do that? Yeah, well, they also know. I mean, your true friends know what time it is, and it was a miracle. I, I think when they drafted Derek... Do they, they though? Listen, here's what happened. <laughs> Eagles get a lot of credit for bringing me and other vets in, and maybe they should. But they didn't fucking think I was going to be any good. They really didn't. I called the Eagles. They didn't think much of me in the beginning. 
They picked Barnett, probably would have done it either way, and I think Derek is a really good player, and I love Derek. He's one of my buddies, and we ended up making some plays together. But I, I think that was like, a, hey, well, we got this old guy that's more of a locker room guy. And that's how my career ended there, too. So uh, You got a ring, bro. I did get a ring. Best, a ring. best thing ever. So, this, so for them, it did work. Yes. Tepper as an owner, that's a big one. David Tepper, um, I believe is his name, in, in, uh, in Carolina, he's got more money than... I don't know about God, but anybody, any, it, he's I, got I, a lot of money. I don't know a lot about him. And the league wants more people like him. It creates competition off the field. Like more no, than the other owners? He's got a lot of money. Okay. And what he's doing is he's bringing fresh blood in this ownership group. He's also been on the what seems like the right side of some of the social justice stuff. But the real reason it's a big deal is because there's no salary cap on stadiums or coaches. You know, the NFL wants more owners like this who are not – you know, the Browns or the Adams in Cleveland and Tennessee, respectively, these family-owned groups that have kind of been there a while that might be comfortable. Like, these new guys are going to push for the the latest, the greatest, and the best. And it creates, like, this arms race. It's almost like a recruiting thing. You know, teams like Green Bay, they have to get kind of uh, creative in the way they do things, obviously. Um, but a lot of teams are going to rely on these new owners to kind of push the next generation of their football operations, the next level, and you want all the nicest stuff. What was the nicest organization you played for as far as taking care of the players? Had to be the Giants. Good good food, good it, facilities. I got there right when it was new, the Timex. Like, it was unbelievable. It was like a five-star restaurant. I used to get to breakfast early, so yeah. I didn't have to wait behind any vets yeah. and get a, a dope-ass omelet. But just everything in there is just... You kind of walked around with your asshole tight, like you don't want to piss anyone off in there because yeah. everyone seemed like they were like all business. But at the same token, everything around you was like, yo, this is nice. Yeah, <laughs> like this sure. is really, really nice. New England everything. was really nice for me. I mean, their 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 facility is state of the art. Mm. I wasn't a fan of the fact they had no window windows in the in the mm. in the facility. But as far as like, shout out to Ted, the n- nutritionist, you know, stuff like that. Their entire staff was really committed to, mm-hmm. you know, providing everything. For the players, uh, Philly, my last year, they kicked it up a notch with the food. Really nice facility, but New England's was very state of the art. Two owners that really care about football in Lori and uh, and Kraft. Uh, but with New England, they've been at it for longer. You know, new plane and stuff. I missed the plane, but you know, mm. um, they just everything was kind of you know no expense spared. And they do the same thing with Philly, but it was just New England had a a lot to work with up there. Uh, London, that's the last thing. You know, this decade, when we look back, if there's ever a team in London, I don't think it would be advisable. I don't think it would be a good idea. Even if the hub is in Atlanta or Jacksonville or somewhere in the Midwest, they talk about doing these. If a team moves, you do a longer home stand at home. You go over abroad for a month. Uh, I think Canada or Mexico would be better. Um, they used to do that with the Bills. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's cool, but like I, I just don't know how that really works. It doesn't. Like, it doesn't work. I don't, for, like, you won't get any I, players I kind of get it. Like, I mean... I don't know how it, like, just being f- over here. Like, I don't know in London, like, I guess, like, when we play, like, it, it maybe it's that much more amplified yeah. and it, like, it equals out. Yeah. But, like, even business-wise for me, I'm just, like, obviously it's something yeah. that they keep they keep punching at it to try well, to get it to work. They're punching at it for two reasons. One, they have this, they're hell-bent on getting um, a team over there. You heard the... Don't tr- guys always get in trouble and get sent home? In London? <laughs> yeah. There's some stuff you can get in trouble on over there, but I, I'm always so tired from the time change. 
That's what it it's seems not like. healthy. Here's the thing: football's not healthy, anyways. Your adrenaline's, you know, on the entire time. Your time I can't clock. tell you how chill I feel just from being under no stress. Imagine throwing in that every month you have to adjust to. You know, it's hard enough for businessmen who go over and sit in meetings. Like, then you got to go be violent and pay attention I try to, to tell be mentally people, on like, your game. My entire time playing football, if I ever woke up and the sun was out, I was late to something. Yeah, and not and and having that feeling, panic. <laughs> Is is like Panic. it's crazy to think yeah. about. <laughs> now I wake up and I'm like, shit, I can't get my son to school. But like, we can we can fix that. Yeah. Pre, you know, preschool it's not such a big deal. Okay, so I think in summation, the NFL is not just doing it to fulfill this pipe dream, which I don't think is going to happen, nor would it work of moving a team over there. But they're also growing a fan base, which I get that, and it is fun to go over there and play. One of my favorite games of my career was going to beat the Jags. I played well in that game. It was one of my last games, and the feeling of getting back to one of those cool old hotels and hanging out with your parents and like, you know, just everybody mm-hmm. who made the trip over there after a win, it's hard to beat. Um, but after a loss, it is awful. I've also been on that side of it. Yeah. Uh, ironically, Bowl. they're huge. Gator Bowl. <laughs> they're ironically huge Jacksonville Jaguar fans. We yeah, we lost the Gator Bowl to uh, in the, in, Graham Harrell in Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium. Yep. So uh, you know, full circle here. Jags are the favorite team in the UK, which is hilarious to me. But by, <laughs> by by virtue of the fact that they're the only team that was willing to like. They don't care enough about Jacksonville as a league. They're just going to dump this team over on the UK, and the UK is eating it up. They love the fucking Jags, man. Don't talk about my old team. <laughs> okay, so um, let's take a quick break. Let's let the giant T-Rex out of his cage. My little big brother, Kyle Long. But we're not going to do it on this uh, YouTube. you got to click one more time to get to the second half of this Thanksgiving extravaganza for your Saturday morning. Um, hopefully you're bloated and full of turkey and you can keep watching. So stick around, click one more, and go to part two.